Welcome to COVID-19 Business in Focus, where we explore the business impacts of coronavirus. Through PwC's partnership with British Athletics, our goal is to enable better decision-making using data analytics, helping the team win more medals in more events at major championships. COVID-19 has impacted everyone's physical and mental well-being, and for athletes and coaches, the lockdown has meant that they've had to think really differently about how they train, stay motivated, as well as inspiring others. Today, we'll discuss the emotional effects of lockdown on athletes and coaches and the coping strategies that they're using. We'll talk about how they've adapted their training, especially given the delay to the Olympics, and the role of data analytics in supporting them. I'm also planning on asking them for their recommendations and top tips on how we can all stay physically and mentally fit during this period. I'm Rowena Morris, a director at PwC, and it's great to be joined today by Holly Bradshaw, a British athletics track and field athlete who holds the British record in pole vault. Scott Simpson, Holly's coach, and Alex Cook, a data intelligence partner here at PwC, are also in the virtual studio with me today. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining. So first of all, to kick things off, Holly, from your perspective, what personal challenges have you experienced as a result of being in lockdown? Um, yeah, I mean, I've experienced quite a few challenges, to be honest, and obviously the main one being a lack of facilities. Like my job is to go out into a training facility and train and, you know, given you can't really do that with social distancing, that's been the main challenge. And um, I've, I've done pretty well, to be honest, like staying fit, staying strong. I've been quite lucky that I had a garage full of um, equipment, which has been great. I think the only thing that I've I've obviously missed is pole vault. I can't, I'm not lucky enough to have enough space in my garden to have a pole vault pit, which, you know, a lot of my competitors do, but, you know, it, it, it's been hard, but one of the, one of the big things for me as well has been motivation. It's um, not being able to pole vault, not being able to sprint, not being able to long jump. Some of the things that I absolutely love doing the most, I've actually not been able to do, which has been quite sad. And I have found the motivation element quite hard, but, I've kind of I've, tr I've tried to stay as mentally strong as possible. Like I said, the gym has kept me going, and the prospect of competitions potentially coming at the end of this season has definitely kept me motivated. Uh, but those have been the, the main challenges for me, really. That's a really good overview, and I think it'd be really interesting to hear how you're approaching each of those different areas and and how you're getting through it. And um, how about you, Scott? How has COVID impacted your usual coaching practices? Well, uh, normally um, I'm on track about 10 to you know, around 10 sessions per week, uh, looking after not just Holly, but, uh, you know, direct responsibility for another half a dozen athletes as well. And and that sees me coaching, obviously, pole vault, as you might expect, but also their their track based sessions, sprinting and so on and so forth, as well as gymnastics and, and weight room activities as well. Um, and then on top of that, I support two other coaches at our training center uh, with indirect contact then with perhaps another 10 athletes on top of that, which is, uh, you know, additional sessions. And essentially a lot of that's kind of gone out the window over the last three months. We've had no access to pole vault or gymnastics facilities. It's only been Holly that's had access to, to weightlifting facilities in her garage. Um, so yeah, we've been trying to make use of a lot of different, uh, surfaces for, for running on. We've, you know, been using the, the fields and the parks, um, and, and things like that. But, you know, to try and keep the group engaged throughout this, which I think has been really important. Um, I've just tried to do a few different things. So I've done a little team motiv motivational video of all their best jumps. Um, 
over you know the last few months um we've done a few group challenges and tasks some of those have been social some of those have been more aligned to to pole vaulting and performance and then every week on a saturday we do a a workout of the day which is a little bit different to what we would normally do but um as uh, some people have loved it and some people have hated it but i think that was always going to be the case <laughs> and i like the idea of those um group challenges and tasks and definitely pushing people into um different ways of, of working out that's really interesting um, of course, the delay to the Olympics and Paralympics has been really disappointing for everyone. But I'd imagine for athletes, it must have been especially tough to hear, um, especially given how long you've been building up to it. So, Holly, how have you stayed motivated and resilient during this time? Yeah, I mean, when I first when it was first announced that the Olympic Games was postponed, I was utterly heartbroken. It's something that I've worked hard for for many years and having gone to London and Rio, I, I know how absolutely amazing the Olympic Games is and everything that goes with it. And for me, um, I love training, of course, but I thrive and I absolutely love the competitive environment. So to have something, you know, pulled away from you as big as that was devastating. But to, to be honest, I, I was happy that it was postponed and not absolutely cancelled which for me was was seemed like a bit of a, a highlight a bit of a bonus but for, for me I've I've done a few things to stay motivated throughout this time and I've, I've seen it as an opportunity to work on other areas and channel energy into other areas of my training I, I might not necessarily be able to do and that's definitely been in the weight room I think Polvo always takes priority for me and I can't you know smash the gym and um sometimes I can't get really fast because pole vault is taking priority and you, you can't do everything at once. So for me, I've been in the weight room three times a week and I've been lucky enough to kind of, uh, you know, surprisingly rewrote every single one of my PBs in the gym, which for me has been, you know, amazing and just kept, kept me motivated and kept me going. And another thing for me has been enjoying the things I can't normally do and spending time with my husband I, I normally hate walking. The last thing I want to do is come back from training or, um, you know, a hard session and go on a walk. But I've absolutely loved doing that and, and going on bike rides while my husband's running. And I've really enjoyed time that I've had really at the moment, which has been great. Great news on those gym PBs. I'm interested to know um, what's your favourite and least favourite challenges set to you from Scott? Yeah, I mean, I all the... The, th the things we've been able to do that's been able to include everyone it's obviously been fitness stuff and Scott would absolutely agree with me that it is that is not my forte and I absolutely hate it so when it was kind of put on the group we're going to do these workout wads every Saturday I was hating life and I did the first one and I had to lie on the floor for a good you know 20 minutes I was that tired but it has it has been nice it's brought the group together and there was a speed power one in there which was definitely my favorite um and that was definitely my forte but other than that I've sucked at every single one. Oh no so how have you adapted your training now competitions have been postponed we talked a little bit about it but it'd be good to hear a bit more detail about what you've been doing. Yeah we had to get creative really and me and Scott had a couple of zoom meetings where we we chatted about, you know, what are we going to do to keep my brain stimulated to pole vault? Because, you know, I have had a lot of breaks in the past through injury and where I've had to kind of do similar things. So I have, it's not like it's the first time I've had to have a break from pole vault, but um, we've tried to keep the, the, 
the block of training as similar to to normal in terms of you know going out on a field and doing some running and and doing the weight room stuff but for example we've had to come up with some drills at home that we can do and you know it's it's quite well known that I'm the bean lady and I've strapped a tin of beans to the end of a pole to try and make it feel like I'm doing drills with a pole and we've set up um, the bins outside my house so I can use them as jerk blocks so I can do some weightlifting and I think I think my neighbors think I'm absolutely crazy. They see they see me in the street doing pole drills um and we go to the local field which is literally 200 meters from my house and um when Scott was allowed to get back coaching we were throwing the shot put in the local field and yeah I think my neighbors think I'm absolutely nuts. I love that you're known as the bean lady. <laughs> um Scott there are some obvious barriers to coaching at the moment. I'm thinking particularly about the social distancing measures which means you might not be able to support Holly in the way that you normally would. How have you continued to provide that vital support as well as inspiration to Holly, but from a distance? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the hands on kind of practical spotting and supporting for athletes, uh, you know, it generally happens in the pole vault and the gymnastics environment, neither of which we've been able to do. Um, so, so that hasn't been so much of a limiting factor. Um, but, you know, in terms of how I've continued to support Holly, you know, we, 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 we certainly speak daily. We, you know, we've maintained that daily contact throughout. Um, and in terms of keeping her motivated, as Holly's already alluded to, we just realign some of her goals and objectives to attacking, you know, personal best in the in the areas of training that we could actually do um so rather than that being pole vaulting or, or you know or sprinting it was more around the kind of weight room and, and throwing activities that were still possible um another nice thing that we've done is that we've done a few sessions with holly sports psychologist where we've done some visualization around pole vault sessions so we've actually simulated a, a full pole vault session but doing it um via visualization which has been great um, and since mid-May, uh, you know, when when coaching, one-to-one -one coaching was reintroduced, I, I've essentially been back at all of Holly's sessions, um, even if that's meant me kind of sitting on the driveway at Holly's house and peering into her garage from a distance. Um, so I, I feel like we've done a, a good job, um, you know, certainly since coaching has resumed of, of supporting Holly in the best way possible. But um, uh, some of the other things that have been great actually during this time uh, that Holly and I have taken on is just some other projects that sit alongside of her training. So um, we've done a, a series of, uh, of videos for for young athletes that are stuck at home during lockdown about how they can do some some training in their home environments. Um, Holly's come in on a couple of coaching webinars that I've done uh, for the coaching community and offered an athlete's perspective on that. Um, and of course, as always, I've been uh, I've been helping Holly by proofing all of her university week for her spelling, punctuation and grammar before she submits. <laughs> I like that full support that you're offering there. And I like that um, it's not just Holly who's uh, getting maybe strange look looks from her neighbours with you sitting at the end of her driveway coaching from a distance. Um, if we move to a practical point of view for many people listening, many gyms and training facilities have been closed over the past few months. So how have you ensured Holly stays on track to achieve those goals whilst not having access to the same equipment, which would be a challenge for many people? And how do you plan to evolve her training so she's ready for that next competition, whenever that might be? Well, to be fair, um, you know, I would say roughly 75% of her training has been unaffected. Um, it's only been the, like I say, the pole vault and the gymnastics that, that are the things that we haven't been able to do. Um, and and the, other than that, all the other bits, we, we've found creative ways of making it happen, even if the, you know, the surface that Holly's been running on has been a little bit different um, to normal. Um, so yeah, I would say that she's been able to stay in touch with those uh, and do most of them at home. 
Um, and, and as Holly's already alluded to, a lot of this is just about getting as creative as you can, doing drills in the street, making, you know, making gymnastics equipment at home or, um, or out of what, whatever she can, whether that's strapping a tin of beans to a pole or using your, your wheelie bins as, as weightlifting equipment. Um, but looking forward to, uh, to competitions, uh, obviously we know that the Olympics and Paralympics have been postponed until 2021, but we're still hopeful um, that there will be some uh, competitions in Europe um, from mid-August onwards, um, which, uh, you know, is essentially how we're focusing ourselves right now. And if ultimately that changes, then we will adapt and, and move things again. But but right now, that's our ambition. Um, in order to give Holly enough time to prepare for that appropriately, we need we need roughly 10 to 12 weeks uh, of, of specific track time and pole vault time. And we've been able to restart that just in the last few days, uh, which has been great. And that, that does give us enough, enough time. But we just need to be really careful now with how we reintroduce uh, those training uh, methods to Holly just because injury risk goes up a lot uh, when you start increasing things like the intensity, when you change the track surface that you're you're running on and and the footwear that she's using and so on and so forth. So yeah, it, very, very gently increasing the intensity and frequency of, of the training that she's doing. And we'll ultimately only compete when Holly is ready to compete. Mm -hmm, that makes sense. And great news, you've been able to start to get access back to those facilities too. Um, so Alex, I know you've been working a lot with um, Holly and, and with the rest of the team. So would you be able to give us an overview of how our data analytics practice has been working in partnership with British Athletics? Sure, yeah. Um, so, so PwC uh, work with uh, all sorts of organisations uh, to get the best value they can from the data that they, that they hold as businesses. Um, typically, that's to drive performance. And in the context of British Athletics world-class program, um, you know, their mission statement is pretty clear, win more medals in more events. So um, as a consequence, our, our objective becomes how can we use data uh, to help them to win more medals? Um, Elite Sport has a lot of data uh, at its disposal, uh, collects a lot of data from the sports sciences and uh, from the coaches that uh, support athletes. Um, and there's a lot of historical data that we can learn from as well. So there's a huge opportunity there to to, to drive that performance and and seek those uh, marginal gains that, that athletes like Holly um, need to achieve to be able to get on the podium. So you know the leadership team at the World Class Program um, have engaged PwC to to become more data informed. Um, that includes improving the way that data is collected and stored, the way that it's managed uh, to make it fit for purpose of the right quality available, to provide the reports and analytical insights that leadership coaches, that those sports science practitioners require to be able to help athletes and to help athletes themselves understand um, the opportunities and the impacts of choices that they make with their coaches on a day-to-day -day basis. In terms of the services we're providing, it ranges from uh, strategy guidance around how to best get value from data. We've implemented uh, technologies, you know, a full end-to-end -end platform that allows for the acquisition, storage, and leverage of data in uh, reporting and insights. And we have data scientists that are working day-to-day uh, -day with coaches like Scott and athletes like Holly. Um, to to look for insights that previously haven't been achievable. So I'd be really interested to hear from Holly and from Scott, maybe start with you, Holly, around how you normally use data to support your training just day to day. Yeah, so I actually, well, I coll we collect so much data and 
I've become a little bit of a geek. I think, you know, before I even joined Scott, you know, eight years ago, I literally didn't collect any data. And I just kind of was this young, enthusiastic Paul Walter who just kind of not winged it, but just was a bit rogue. And then it's definitely Scott who's um, taught me how important it is to collect data to the point where now we collect so much data and it is vital to my training. And I mean, I, I've got a list as long of my, as my arm on the data we collect. And that's from like daily training logs. So every time I come to a session, what did I do in the weight room? How fast did I run? How many reps, how many sets, what was the recovery? Um, then I've got specific pole vault notes. So on this particular day, where's my run at? What pole was I at? What, you know, um, what, how high am I gripping on the pole? What was the bar at? Where are the stands? And I think pole vault definitely lends itself to collecting data because there are so many numbers. And, you know, I, even when I'm away from the track and I'm not training, I'm still collecting data. I do a, a daily monitoring thing, uh, kind of, you know, sheet where it's, you know, what's my body weight? How many hours did I sleep? What was my sleep um, quality like? I wear a ring, which, um, supplies me with this data while i'm sleeping so yeah um what's my heart rate variability um how deep did i sleep and that for me now collecting that data is, is vital uh, and it gives me the information i need to you know yeah get better in terms of performance but also am i ready to complete the, the session that's ahead of me and for me it's it's imp so important that's really interesting and scott from a coaching perspective how does data help you make decisions about holly's training I feel like Hall already gave a great insight into how that data works, actually. But just to maybe reiterate and, and, and reinforce some of that, that the, the data that we collect for me falls on into, into one of two strands. It's either daily monitoring, some of which is reported by Holly, some of which we collect at the training center uh, when, when Holly gets in. Um, but that daily monitoring essentially helps create a picture of Holly's readiness to train. Um, and then I can use that information to adapt the training that's been prescribed for a given day, either, you know, make it a little bit easier if, 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 the, if that's what the kind of numbers are showing us or indeed push it on a little bit if, uh, if the opportunity does present itself. And, and the reason for doing that is to both uh, reduce the risk of injury um, uh, if, if that's the case, or, uh, but also to maximize performance uh, within every training unit that we do. And then the second strand of the data that we collect is a, is not done daily. It's more intermittent than that. And it's it's effectively some field testing or diagnostic testing, um, which includes everything from her sprint times, jump distances, throwing distance, along with a, a whole bunch of other biomechanical measures that we collect during pole vault sessions. Um, and essentially, that ongoing diagnostics ensures that the training that we're doing is having the desired effect and producing the results that we would expect. So uh, I hope that kind of summarizes all of the data that, as Holly said, we do collect a lot. Lot, but how you know that falls into two different categories and how we use that in an effective way to support Holly's training. Yeah, it makes you realize just how much data is actually available that you'll be collecting daily. I'm curious about how you've used data differently over the past few months. So how, how have you yeah. used um, the data to help you adapt to the current climate? Hold, do you want to go? Yeah, um, to be honest, um, obviously, I collect a lot of data when I'm pole vaulting and I've not been pole vaulting. So not necessarily missed out in that regard, but mo I would say 90% of the, the data that I collect has been able to go on as normal, which has been really great. And um, it's actually really interesting. Some of the data that I've collected um, from the ring that I wear has showed that, you know, 
it's just throughout this time I've I've been sleeping really really deep really good and I'm actually recovering really well so that's you know it's been great to see that uh, you know I'm not this period's not been detrimental to me and I think the only the area that we've had to adapt maybe is we do testing to um see my daily readiness if you will and it's before a session i might go on a force plate and do like a, a max counter movement jump which is where i just basically stand still and then i do jump as high as i can and it's we record that on a daily basis and you can definitely see the fluctuations in in how i'm feeling and like scott said he uses that information to either rein me back in it, you know if my numbers were low he might drop drop a couple of reps Whereas if I'm actually feeling, you know, if the numbers are quite high and I'm feeling good, we might push things on. And that's just been what we're missing because that, you know, requires um, other people and a facility to do that in. And then, yeah, just to add to that, I mean, the, the great thing is that, as Holly's already said, her daily monitoring that she completes, um, I, can, I can view that on a daily basis uh, by virtue of the, the Power App that PwC has helped us uh, put together some time ago. And that really gives me, you know, effectively live access to, to how Holly is reporting her data at home. And that's been ongoing, uninterrupted as, as normal. Um, as Holly said, though, the, the, the fact that we've lost a little bit of the daily monitoring from the equipment that we would access in the training center has just meant that I've just been a bit a little bit more cautious than normal with the training prescription um, just because I've I've had a hole in that data set. So I've I've just generally been a little bit more cautious with with the intensity and the and the, the frequency of, of really hard training sessions that we do. Um, but actually, I thought it would be useful while we're on that subject to perhaps talk a little bit um, for the listeners about uh, the the emphasis that we put on recovery in our training program which is absolutely huge um, but when most people hear you talk about recovery um, they immediately jump to kind of ideas about cryo chambers and oxygen chambers or alternative therapy techniques or whatever it might be um, but the truth is that the the, the two big things uh, that we put huge emphasis on in terms of recovery is is firstly sleep um, and Holly's already alluded to this we really monitor both the duration and the quality of her sleep and I can I can firmly say that Holly is a world-class sleeper, um, which is a, a quality that I have seen in, in many elite athletes over the years. Um, and then the second strand of her recovery is linked to her nutrition. And I, I'm, I'm really proud to say that Holly essentially acts as her own nutritionist uh, with some support and consultation from British athletic staff. Um, but she takes huge pride in owning that nutritional program, um, what she needs to do in that space. And uh, yeah, I think I recently joked with Holly that uh, one day she'll make a, a, a great future contender on MasterChef. Um, but yeah, lastly, the, the, the other thing that I just wanted to mention was that during this, this lockdown period, the, the time that we've had available, um, it's actually enabled me to make big progress on a, on a project with PwC analysts uh, looking at trends uh, into Holly's historical training data and the associations that exist between different exercise combinations and injury occurrence. And that's actually been really insightful and, and really fruitful in terms of some of the information that it's provided going forwards, where hopefully we can avoid some of the pitfalls that we've we've encountered in the past. And we are now actually just expanding that work to look at associations between exercise combinations and peak performance, um, which hopefully, again, will, will help drive better levels of performance going forwards. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear the power of data and looking back on those historical trends. But also I think it's really important just to, um, is that point around rest and, and recovery and something that, you know, just people every day who are focused on improving their fitness is maybe something that is perhaps undervalued. Um, so I think that importance around getting the right amount of sleep and focusing on nutrition as well as doing 
um, your exercise, whatever that may be, running, cycling, whatever it might be. Um, but getting that balance right is really important and really good to hear. Um, Alex, how have you seen other organisations change their data analytics strategy to help them to navigate the impacts of COVID-19? Marina, it's been a, a real time of reflection for, for most organisations. Uh, everyone's been severely disrupted by, by COVID-19. Uh, for British athletics, it was the movement of the, the Olympics and Paralympics, but also the championships that, that they run in, in this country and associated impacts. But for other business, understanding the, the impacts of uh, what's happening through COVID-19 can be quite existential. So the data analytics is here to help solve important problems just generally. Um, with COVID-19, some of those problems are unique. Uh, for example, managing and forecasting and cash flow within a business or uh, changes in workforce planning and logistics, modelling customer demand, for example. Um, so our focus might have shifted um, and the strategy that an organisation uses and, and where they derive value from data analytics may have changed. But the capabilities that we use to bring about those insights are the same, uh, whether we're dealing with elite athlete performance or we're dealing with the change in footfall on the high street, we're using the same skills, the same technologies, and the same approach to data analytics uh, in all of those organizations. So it's really important uh, at a time like this that uh, all data sources are leveraged. And right now, you know, people will talk about the use of epidemiological models um, to look at how we think the, um, the virus is going to um, continue to impact our lives. Um, and to what extent as restrictions come and go with, uh, within you know, different uh, countries and clients that we support. Uh, we try and bring data sources like that uh, alongside existing uh, data sources. For example, um, if we're trying to look at the demand for a given product in, in retail or consumer products, we'll take historical data uh, relating to sales um, and then bring that alongside how we think demand is going to change based on um, uh, uh, insights and you know, the amount of people that are going to be on the high street, um, how that changes across e-commerce and bricks and mortar stores, for example. So all organizations right now are looking quite hard at the data they have and looking uh, to see if they can help plot a path through COVID-19 recovery and to support the, the ongoing performance of their business. That's a great overview. And as we look to wrap up, really interested to hear from all three of you actually around what your top tips are for our listeners. So what advice would you give to them to help them to achieve their goals during this time? So maybe if I kick off with Scott. No, for sure. Yeah. And I'm not sure I'm going to say anything, you know, completely uh, revolutionary here. But um, the first one I would say is, is try and take on a project that really, really motivates you. And I would encourage that to be both um, at home and in the workplace. And I think most people are on that anyway. You know, I look up and down my street here at home and I haven't seen the gardens in the street ever looking this good. So I think most people are kind of getting stuck into that anyway. But um, try and do something with relation to those projects every day. And I think that's a real kind of source of of motivation for people. Um, the second one would be around kind of communication links and uh, and just try and keep those comms open. I think it's easy to get siloed and stuck in a bit of a rut where you, you don't reach out to people. But we started a uh, uh, an online uh, coaches uh, group where we meet twice a week. And it's been amazing, actually, that how much those relationships have flourished during this really strange period of time. And, and 
actually it's it's better than it's ever been in terms of coach collaboration and, and relationships and working together within that coaching family um so that's been great but i would i would extend that to uh to the to my personal family as well and and friends and really try and make those um communication networks uh, sustainable uh, during this this difficult period and then the last one which is a little bit tongue-in-cheek but on a personal level if you really want to stay busy and focused during lockdown I would just suggest having your first child in the middle of it um, because that certainly keeps you out of trouble <laughs> yeah, yeah I bet um, Holly, how about you um so as well as pole vault my I've got a passion for sports psychology and so I have um, five top tips actually and bits of advice that are um, kind of research base and I've done a little bit of um, research into this myself on overcoming adversity and it says that experiencing challenging times such as COVID-19 can actually propel you on to higher functioning. So the tips are to of course stay positive as best you can throughout this period, make sure you're setting weekly goals that once you've achieved them you celebrate them and actually enjoy that you've achieved these goals like Scott said earlier, the social element is so important. I'm such a social person and having that contact with other people needs to still be in there, whether it's a phone call or oxygen, but that again is, is super important to have the support there. And the last two are identify any weaknesses you might have um, and strive to try and make them better and um, close the gap between that being a weakness and lastly, use this opportunity while there's not really much else going on to learn something. For me, I've learned so much more about my sport. I've been reading up on sports psychology and how that can help me as an athlete. And I think using this opportunity to learn something new is really, really important. So I just say, um, I, I have to echo Holly and Scott here. You know, if we've learned anything over the past two months across um, many of the uh, issues and opportunities that are faced society it's to keep communicating keep talking and keep listening um uh, also i just think you know we, we've got all this extra time right now you know people aren't traveling around we're not commuting um there's not so many activities that we're carrying kids backwards and forwards to for example so use that time wisely look for the opportunities that exist in this changed world um also you know rest more we've heard from um holly and scott just how important rest and recovery is maybe practice mindfulness, maybe use the opportunity to, to get some additional exercise. And I think finally, you know, this won't last forever. So uh, my top tip is to start developing your plans for bouncing back. Thanks so much, Holly, Scott and Alex for sharing those stories and insights. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening. And if you'd like more tips on how to manage your mental and physical well-being during the lockdown, listen to our podcast episode on leading through a crisis. Thanks everyone, and until next time, please stay safe.